Amen. Well, open your Bibles. I, I've got several openings tonight, and uh, I'm, uh, I, I want to, uh, this is probably the last message that I preach along this line of, on, for a while anyway, maybe on healing. Um, we, we've been talking a little bit about healing, and uh, we didn't have church last Sunday night, so um, on Sunday nights I've been dealing with some questions uh, that people have about healing. The what abouts is kind of what we call it because people always say when you talk about healing, and here's the thing that we're establishing that I must establish, that I want to establish, a couple of different things. Number one is that God heals. Amen. That Jesus is the healer. The Lord is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. And number two, that he still heals. Today, amen, in 2021, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, divine healing is, is in the atonement. It was paid for by the Lord at Calvary when he died there and paid the price for our sin. But also we're trying to establish the fact, too, that healing is God's will for his people. He wants us well. He wants us healed. And I'll get into some of that today about, you know, or this evening. But, but that's what we've been trying to establish here. And so anytime you preach on healing, and I preached the message a few Sundays ago, two, three Sundays ago on the, the will of God to heal and tried to establish that fact and gave several reasons from the Bible why we know that it's God's will to heal the sick. And there's always questions then that people have. Well, why didn't this one get healed? Why doesn't everybody get healed? What about this, Brother Rick? What about that? And uh, so I've dealt with a few of those, those questions in the last couple of Sunday nights. And I want to deal with one tonight, um, the what about of Paul's thorn in the flesh. And um, I actually, you know, someone had this question um, after I'd preached that message on Sunday, two Sundays ago, I believe it was, and after I'd preached that message, we had a great healing line that morning and prayed for the sick. According to James chapter 5, we anointed with oil, prayed for the sick. And um, someone came to my office later in that week and asked me, and the very first words were, what about Paul? What about Paul's thorn? Because Paul, they said, Paul was sick and Jesus didn't heal him. And I just sat there and and went like that. And they said, Paul wasn't sick. And I said, that's not what he said. He didn't say he was sick. And so I want to I look at that tonight. And um, because my purpose, again, in doing this teaching is this. And that is to, to, to bring us to a place or to try to bring us to a place where we will never give up believing God for healing in our bodies when we need healing, that we will never accept the sickness or the disease as being the will of God for, my, for our life. Because once we do that, then there's nothing, the, the, we don't give the Lord anything to work with. 
everything that we receive from God, from salvation, the Holy Spirit, healing, answers to prayer, everything comes, victory in our life over sin, everything comes through faith. And everything comes by faith in the correct object, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and what He did for us at Calvary. He is the, uh, Jesus um, is the source. Jesus Christ is the source of all blessing and everything that you need tonight. And the means through which he gives it is by what he did for us at the cross of Calvary in his death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation. And when we speak of the cross, we're not talking about a piece of wood. We're not talking about that wooden beam that was there on Golgotha's hill. When we speak of the cross, we're talking about what Jesus accomplished there when he died and shed his blood and the benefits that we have 2,000 years later still the efficacy of that sacrifice that is still real and powerful today. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. So I got several uh, verses to read, and I'm going to get my watch out here so we don't go (laughs) overtime, whatever overtime is. I don't know what that is. Praise God. (laughs) So go with me to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to go to Matthew 4. We're going to go to Matthew 9. Luke 6 and 2 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to read these verses. The Bible says, in the, ma- in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So I'm going to read you more than two or three witnesses tonight. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. I'm reading from the King James tonight. Matthew 4 and 23 says this. And Jesus, this is the healing ministry of Jesus in Galilee. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers or different diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatics and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. A couple of pages over, chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And notice this. In both of these passages, here was the order. There was, there was preaching, there was, there was teaching, there was preaching, and then there was healing. Let me give that to you again. This was in both of these passages we read. There was teaching, there was preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and there was healing. And so he, went, he, he, he was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Now flip over to uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down, speaking of Jesus, and he came down with them 
and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. What, they came, what did they come to do? They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they, verse 18, they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude, look at this, the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. How many believe that same healing virtue is flowing from the hand and for the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ today? There went virtue out of him and healed them all. That's the same word that was used when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. And and Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And he said, I felt virtue go out from me. She pulled the healing virtue of Christ out of him. Amen. So now 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is where we deal with the, um, the teaching of Paul's thorn. And I don't know if you've ever heard anything about Paul's thorn in the flesh or not, but we're, you're going to hear a little something about it tonight. And I may uh, knock over, kick over a few sacred cows tonight, and I may kill some, some tradition, um, but, you know, that's okay. The, Jesus told the Pharisees that, you, that the tradition of those elders had made the Word of God to none effect. So we've got to get rid of tradition and see what the Bible itself has to say. Paul's thorn, look in verse 7. You're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Paul said this. He had been caught up to heaven, received an abundance of revelation from the Lord. And it says in verse 7, which actually was the revelation of the new covenant. It was the revelation of what Jesus did at the cross that he gave in the epistles. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Father, add your blessing to the reading of your word tonight in Jesus' name. So as I said, we are teaching a little bit here on divine healing, and we have established the fact that healing is the will of God. We've established, I believe, the fact, and there's a whole, there's a whole series of preaching you could do on the fact that healing is in the atonement, in the atoning work of Christ. But I think we've established that fact. I'm talking about salva- the word salvation, soteria, 
and sozo and how that it is that salvation is an all-inclusive word that not only includes the forgiveness of sin, but it also uh, has to do with deliverance and healing and, and, um, and um, uh, you know, the, all of that type of thing, uh, preservation and soundness and that type of thing. So we know that healing, bodily healing, we've established that Jesus paid for that at the cross. And we, we, we have to base, and here's the thing tonight, saints, that we must base what we believe about healing or any Bible doctrine, whatever it may be, uh, we've got to base that on the Bible, on what the Word of God says, and not on our experience. And so many times, that's I think what happens is that people want to base what they believe about healing and God's healing power on experiences. And we're so, you know, we're so prone to point out uh, the negative side and say, well, I know somebody that didn't get healed or I know more people that didn't get healed than did get healed and I've said this before I've, I've, I've stood by the side of the bed of people and prayed for people that and saw them healed and I've stood by the side of the bed of saints of God and watched them take their last breath and go to be with the Lord and uh, I don't have all the answers and I've never claimed to have all the answers and to know um, all about that amen I don't know all about that and I don't have all the answers as as to why things, some people are healed, some people are not. I thought about the great healing revival that took place in the, in the 40s, 50s, early 60s. Great men of God, Oral Roberts and A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, uh, William Branham, many different ones, R.W. Schambach, and I'd been in some of those meetings, tent revivals that where the healing power of God was manifest. We've had Bobby Bryant uh, here and preach for us, and he was healed in an A.A. Allen meeting. And so there was, you know, great miracles of healing that took place, the gifts of the Spirit. God sent a special healing revival during those days. And there was great miracles that took place. But nevertheless, there were people that walked across Oral Roberts' platform and got out of wheelchairs and threw away crutches and blind eyes were open and maybe the next person behind them didn't, didn't receive anything. I don't have the answers to all of those questions, okay? And, and, and let me fill you in on something else. No preacher's got all the answers to all of those questions as to why. So I don't base my belief on God's healing and divine healing on somebody's experience or even my own experience. I base what I believe about healing, divine healing, on what I find written in this book because this is the will of God concerning the matter. This is the will of God concerning everything. Amen. But we have um, established the fact, and I do know, and I'll, I'll go to my grave if the Lord tarries with believing this very thing, that it's the will of God to be, for, for His people to be healed. He is the healer. I do know that, and I do believe that. We talked about the leper that came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus immediately said, I will or I am willing, be thou clean. 
So, uh, you know, Jesus did everything. He said, I always do those things that please the Father. Isn't that what he said? And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he did what pleased the Father. And he always obeyed the Father. And so Jesus, as we read here in these scriptures tonight, always he, he healed those who were brought to him. So it revealed what Jesus did in his earthly ministry, revealed the will of God and revealed the attitude of of God toward sickness and disease. Sickness and disease is of Satan. It's of the devil. It's not from God. It came through sin and through the fall of man and God's attitude toward it is he hates disease and sickness. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that healeth. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Acts 10 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. But we now are dealing with questions that we're attempting to answer from the word of God. The whatabouts and this particular one that we're dealing with tonight is what about Paul? What about Paul's thorn? And that was the question I was asked. What about Paul because he was sick the Bible said that he was sick that he had a disease and that he asked the Lord three times to heal him and the Lord said no well is that exactly the, the, the truth we're going to look at that and see what does it actually say and that's one of the, the prevalent objections that people have against the will of God to heal is this um, this teaching of Paul's thorn in the flesh. And here's what many people teach about that or believe about Paul's thorn. They teach that Paul, the apostle Paul, had a sickness that God refused to heal. And this is, this is what is taught by many concerning Paul's thorn. I've read this, and I hear preachers, and I've heard preachers and still do hear preachers when they mention Paul's thorn, instead of explaining or telling what it was, some of them will say, Paul had a thorn in the flesh that God gave him, and we don't know what it was. And that's not what the Bible says. You know, all you have to do is just read what the Bible says, and that's what we want to do tonight, okay? Amen. But, but this is what is taught. This is the teaching that, that some teach that Paul was one, even though he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus called of God and healed others and had the healing gifts working in him, that Paul was one of the sickest men that there were, that he had one of the most... Uh, uh, most painful oriental diseases, and it's called ophthalmia. Ophthalmia, which is an eye disease, and um, if that's the way you pronounce it, I think it is ophthalmia. And uh, it was a disease of the eyes, and here's what they say they teach that Paul's eyes were diseased with this, and his eyes were filled with pus that there was terrible-looking matter that was running down his face, and that that's the reason, one of the scriptures they base it on, that's the reason that the Galatians, you know, when Paul said, I know that you would have, have, have willingly plucked out your own eyes and given them to me, and they take that verse to say that they would have gouged out their eyes for him because of the pain of this disease that he was going through, that it felt like the pain of this eye disease felt as if it was a stake that was driven in the person 
person's eyes. And this teaching says, this is what they teach and what they say, that Jesus gave this disease to Paul to humble him and to keep him from being exalted and that Paul went to the Lord three times for healing and received no healing and the Lord just flat out said, no, I'm not going to heal you because my grace is sufficient for you and I'm just going to give you grace to bear that. And there's a lot of people that believe that today and say, well, this sickness is just my thorn in the flesh. Amen. And And, um, you know, that's what the teaching is, that it was better for Paul to be sick than to be healed, that it wasn't God's will for Paul to be healed, but that that, that it was the fact that God had given him some kind of a disease of his eyes that God could use him in a greater way with that eye disease than without it. So Paul just said, well, I'll glory in my infirmity. I'll glory in this disease. I'll glory in this sickness. My eyes may be full of a repulsive discharge, but I I may be in tremendous pain, but I'll yet re-glory and I will rejoice for this sickness. That's basically what the teaching is about Paul's thorn in most churches and circles today. But there's only one problem with that. There's not an ounce of truth in that. There's not an ounce of truth in that teaching. There's nothing that I just said that is taught in the scriptures about that. That is a tradition that has been concocted by man as a reason, as an excuse why some people may not be healed. Why can't we as preachers, instead of trying to dream up something to use it as an excuse for why somebody didn't get healed, why can't we learn just to say, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm not going to take scriptures and try to twist them to make it sound like or to seem that it's the will of God not to heal someone. Amen? The expression, the thorn in the flesh, is used other places in the Bible. But that expression is never used in the Old or the New Testament as a figure of sickness. And I want you to get that. The the expression or the phrase thorn in the flesh is never used as a figure of sickness or disease. But every time the expression is used in the Bible, it's always stated what the thorn in the flesh was. In Numbers chapter 33 and verse 55, and you might just want to jot some of these down and read them when you get home. But in Numbers 33 and 55, it says this, God said, But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, speaking of the Canaanites, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes, and notice this, and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein you shall shall dwell. Notice the phrase there, they they will be pricks in your eyes, and thorns 
in your sides. Notice that these thorns in the side of Israel, who were the thorns? Who were the thorns that God was talking about? They were the inhabitants of Canaan. Is that not right? He told them these inhabitants of Canaan must be driven out. If you don't drive them out, if you allow them to remain in the land, what will they be? They will be thorns in your side. They were not, he was not talking about sickness. He didn't say that they would be a sickness to you or a disease to you or eye trouble to you. The Canaanites were not literally stuck in the sides of the Israelites. Were they? Were the Israelites, they left the Canaanites in the land? Were they walking around with Canaanites sticking in their body and their feet sticking out? No. It was used as a metaphor. It was symbolic. Amen. It, it only illustrates. And what God was saying was he was illustrating that those Canaanites that were left in the land would be a constant annoyance as a thorn that was sticking in their flesh. I had a splinter the other day in my finger. It was a thorn in my flesh. It was, a, it was my, my, my finger was starting to get red and swell up and it was sore and it was hurting and I had to get it out. It was an annoyance in there. It was a thorn in my flesh and that's what God said the Canaanites would be to the Israelites. He said this in Joshua 23 and 13. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you but they shall be snares and traps to you, scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off the good land which the Lord your God has given you. The scourges in the sides and the thorns and the eyes were not sore eyes. They were not sore sides, but it was a metaphor of trouble. And God was saying that these inhabitants of Canaan will cause you problems. They will be a problem and trouble to you. David said in 2 Samuel 23 and 6 that the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away. So you see, in each of the instances that we've given here, it is definitely stated what the thorn was. God didn't leave it to our imagination to understand or to figure out or to come up with something of what the thorn was. In every one of those scriptures, God definitely stated what the thorn was. It was the Canaanites. It was the, the, those who were uh, allowed to stay in the land. And God also... Also, Paul also states in the scripture what his thorn was. We don't have to wonder what it was. We don't have to guess at what it was. We don't have to make something up as to what we think it was. We don't have to guess. He plainly tells us what it was. We don't have to stand up here and say, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, but we just don't know what it was because Paul tells us what it was. Want me to tell you what it was? <laughs> okay, 2 Corinthians. Let's read this text again. In verse number 7, we're 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Notice what the apostle said. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me, and it didn't say that God gave it. It said there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, notice the next phrase. The thorn, 
given to me a thorn in the flesh, comma, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, I can stop right there and say, Paul's thorn was a messenger of Satan that came to buffet him. The word, what is the messenger of Satan? The word messenger, the Greek word messenger is anglos. And it's translated, uh, it's translated in the Bible 188 times. It's translated angel 181 times and messenger seven times in the New Testament. And so it's that word messenger is the same word translated angel. So a messenger of Satan was an angel, a fallen angel, a principality, a messenger of the devil, an angel of the devil. In every case, it is a person and never a disease. Amen? And, and, and the word is used, the word angel and messenger prove that Paul's thorn was a satanic personality that came against him and it was not a sickness and disease. Now, we've Establish that. Do you see that? Can you understand that? A messenger or a, an angel of Satan came and what did that angel come and do to Paul? He goes on to say that it was the messenger of Satan to what? To buffet me. To buffet me. That word buffet, that's what he said the angel came to do, to buffet. The word buffet means to beat with the fist, to give blow after blow. It's used in Matthew 26 and 67 when it talks about how that they buffeted Jesus. They beat him in the face. Gave him blow after blow. Amen. God, and this is what buffeting means. This angel of Satan came to, to deal blow after blow against Paul and against his life. God told Ananias concerning Paul after Paul had gotten saved. He said, you go to him because he said um, you pray for him that he will receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit because I'm going to show him how great things he must, must suffer for my name's sake. Well, the suffering that God said that Paul was going to have for him was not suffering sickness or disease, but God said that Paul was going to suffer great things for his name's sake. It was persecution. We're not called to suffer sickness for the cause of Christ, but we will suffer persecution. We will have tribulation. We will have troubles. We're not immune for, from those things. Are you listening to me. Paul even said in Acts 20 and 23 that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So Paul specifies what these buffetings were and the buffetings, what they were that were caused by this satanic angel or satanic messenger. Look at verse 10. He said, therefore I take pleasure... In eye disease. Oh, no, that isn't what that says. Therefore, I take, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, stop right there for a minute. A lot of people will say, well, that means sickness. It does not. The Greek word infirmity means a weakness of the flesh. 
The Bible uses the same word in Romans 8, 26. Wherefore the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as well. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So infirmities there doesn't mean sickness. It means that the weakness of our flesh is we don't know what to pray for as well. So we got the Holy Ghost to help us pray. Thank God for that. Amen. So that's what infirmities means. It's a weakness of the flesh. And here's what Paul said. I will take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong so infirmities as I said is a weakness it's an an inability of his own strength it wasn't a sickness or an eye disease these other things that he lists there in verse number 10 are not sicknesses so why didn't he say I take pleasure in an eye disease why didn't he say I take pleasure in pus running down my face from my eyes why did didn't he say, I take pleasure in constant pain in my eyes and the fact that I can't see good? He did not say that, did he? Did he say that? Did he say that anywhere? No, he said again, he said, in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Got another scripture to give you. 1 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13. Listen to what Paul said. Just jot it down. Even unto this present hour, he's writing this first letter to the Corinthians. And he says, even to this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. So there again in that passage, in 1 Corinthians 4, he listed things that, 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 uh, that had come against him. He was, he was lacking daily necessities many times in his life. Let me tell you something. You know, we, we, we see the modern day evangelist today, and I'm not against anybody, any evangelist, being put in a nice place to stay when they come and preach for us. But you know, we've got we've we've come to this place. Well, if I'm not in a five-star hotel, hey, I'm a king's kid. I, if I can't be in a five-star hotel, if I can't have, uh, you know, this fancy $15 a bottle of water, I've got to have the best of everything. Let me tell you something. When Paul went into a city to preach, he didn't look for the best hotel. He checked out the, the, the local jail because he figured that's where he's going to wind up for us over with anyway. He suffered, yes. There was an angelic messenger that followed him around, that buffeted him continuously with necessities, with trials, with troubles, with persecution. He was always, that devil was always stirring up people everywhere Paul went to attack him, to throw him in jail, to whip him, to beat him, to try to stop his ministry. That was the thorn in the flesh. But praise God, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient and I'll bring you through every single bit of it. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Have you ever referred to somebody that was aggravating you as being a thorn in your side? Huh? (laughs) Surely not. Well, that's what this angel was. So Paul gives another list. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 28 He says, are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I'm more in labors, more abundant. 
and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, listen, and deaths often. And then he gives a list here in 20, verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one, or 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils of fa- among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. Besides those things that are without that which comes upon me daily, the care of all the churches, no sickness is mentioned in those verses. Of all the things that he said he suffered, he never mentioned his eyesight. Huh? Let me tell you something. Jesus said, you know the truth. The truth will make you free. But listen, you believe tradition, and it'll bind you up. It'll, it will. He, if he suffered sickness as a part of that thorn, surely somewhere in those verses that I've read to you, that he would have mentioned it somewhere. It's made up, folks. Who but Satan's angel could be responsible for all of those sufferings that he mentioned and he listed in those verses? The one thing he does not mention is the very thing that tradition seizes upon and says that that was his thorn. And that is to blind people and to use for people to use as an excuse not to pray and to believe God for their healing. Because if you pray and you're not healed immediately, the devil says, you're like Paul. You've got a thorn. That's your thorn. You just need to bear that thorn in the flesh and just go on and suffer with it and praise God for it. Now, I will agree you praise God in all things, but you, don't have, you do not praise him for what Satan is doing in your life. Amen? I can praise him in the midst of suffering. I can praise him in the midst of pain. I can, and we need to. And I'm not going to be praising him because, well, I praise you, Lord, that you've given me this affliction to keep me humble, and I thank you for it. No, no, no. I'm going to be praising him because he is the healer, that this thing is, is this, this sickness or whatever it may be is not from the Lord. It's from the enemy, and I'm believing God for my healing. Amen. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right. I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close. I'm going to hurry up here. Come here. Why did Paul, why, what was the reason for this thorn? What was the reason for this angelic, okay, we've established what the thorn was, right? This thorn was, was a metaphor for something that was causing Paul trouble. It was an irritant. It was sticking in him. It was causing, it was buffeting him, blow after blow after blow. And he said what it was, was an angel of Satan sent by the devil to buffet Paul to afflict him with 
problems and difficulties and persecutions. All right? Why did this, this angelic messenger do this? Well, Paul said that it was because of the abundance of revelation that he had received from God. Is that what he said in that passage? He said, because of the abundance of the revelation that was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. It was an abundance. It was, it was, it was because of that abundance of revelation, and it was to keep him from being exalted above measure. But here's another place where we've kindly got things turned around a little bit because he wasn't saying that this thorn came or this angelic messenger came to keep him humble or from getting the big head or to, or from, to keep him from being filled with pride. And that is the traditional view of this. But the exalting that I believe that he's talking about there is a godly exalting. How many of y'all know that God, you're never to exalt ourselves, right? If you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. But what does the other part of that verse say? If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. Amen. God, the Bible said, Peter said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he who God will exalt you in due time. We can read in the Old Testament where the Lord said to Joshua that he was going to take Joshua and magnify Joshua before the people and in the eyes of the people. It was not Joshua exalting himself. It was not Paul exalting himself saying, look what I can do. I can heal the sick. I'm this, I'm that. I'm a great apostle. No. Paul, because of the abundance of his revelation that he received from God and because of the humility that he had, God exalted Paul and made him a mighty apostle and gave him, listen to me, it was because of the abundance of the revelation God had given Paul. What was the revelation Paul, God gave to Paul? It was the revelation of the new covenant. It was the revelation of the cross. Hallelujah. It was those epistles that he wrote that revelation in. What we know today about what happened at Calvary, what we know about who we are in Christ, what we are in Christ, we know. They didn't know this in the Old Testament. It was a mystery that was hid from before the foundation of the world. But God gave the revelation of the new covenant and of the cross to the apostle Paul and he recorded it in the word of God amen and Paul's ministry was prospering God was exalting Paul everywhere he went people were getting saved everywhere he went he was planting churches everywhere he went ain't nobody with me tonight everywhere he went people were getting healed hallelujah every place he went glory to God he was given the good news oh yeah, of the gospel yeah some would reject it and they would throw him in jail and they'd persecute him, but there were those of the Gentiles. Oh, hallelujah, when the Jews kicked him out and he said, we're going to the Gentiles. They opened up their hearts to the word of God and scores were saved. And we're here tonight. I said, we're here tonight because of the revelation that Paul had and because of his ministry, because of those mission 
extraordinary journeys. God was using him in a powerful way. Would anybody disagree with that? He wasn't exalting himself. He was exalted because of the abundance of the revelation he had given God using him to preach that message. And because of that, Satan sent an angel, a messenger, to stop him, to hinder him, to discourage him. And not only him, but to discourage those who would listen to him or hear him. He suffered persecution, affliction, jails, shipwreck, stoning for the cause of Christ. He was buffeted over and over and over and over. And he said to the Lord, why don't you take this away? You know, why don't you stop this? Why don't you take it away? And God spoke to him. It wasn't an eye disease. It was this angel. Lord, why don't you do something about this this angelic messenger and stop all this persecution that's going on? And three times he prayed about it. And God spoke to him. And God said, hallelujah, listen. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. God said, I'm going to bring you through it. I will give you the grace to bear it. I'll be with you in it. You'll be more than a conqueror. And he wrote it to the Romans. And he said, we're like sheep, accounted for the slaughter. But in all these things, we're more than conquerors. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? I'm telling you, we're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. Woo, hallelujah. I'm about to have a Pentecostal breakdown. Amen. Paul was exalted by God. And the enemy tried to stop his ministry. What do you think? Who do you think it was? When Paul and Silas, you know, and I mentioned a while ago, that we're here tonight because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Why do you say that, Brother Rick? Because Paul tried to go to Asia, and Paul tried to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of the Lord stopped him and said, No, don't go there. And he didn't know what to do, and in the middle of the night, God gave him a vision, and he saw a man from Macedonia who said, Come over here and help us. And so immediately, the next morning, he got up and said, we're going into Macedonia. We're going there. That's where God wants us to go. And they went to Philippi. They went, and from Philippi, it was from Philippi that the gospel went from there. Not to Asia, but the gospel went from there to Europe and covered Europe. And where did we come from? Huh? Amen. That's why I say it was because of the gospel being carried by this man, the revelation God had given him, that we're here tonight. But they go to Philippi. God had told them, that's where you go. And they get to Philippi. And they preach to Lydia, sell of purple, and those that are there by the river. They were down by the riverside. Amen. And they get her saved. And those folks, they're saved. And 
They started a church in Lydia's house. And people are coming and getting saved. And they're going through town. I mean, revival's breaking out. God is exalting the ministry of Paul. And the demon-possessed girl starts following them. Huh? She's saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God. And they showed us the way of salvation. And she did that for many days. And finally, Paul was fed up. And he turned around. I don't know if he, you know, he smacked her upside. I don't know. But he rebuked that spirit. It was a, it was a fortune-telling spirit. There's a whole message there. It was the spirit of Python. I mean, knows what a Python is. And he rebuked that devil and said, come out of her. And the devil come out. And you know what? When the demon come out, she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. She was making a lot of money for her, for her masters telling fortunes. The devil comes out, she can't tell fortunes anymore. Well, it got, it got them throwed in jail right they laid men they were arrested they were whipped they were beaten they were thrown in jail what was that it was one of the buffetings he said in prisons oft that was one of the things that he said it was one of the buffetings it was one of the boom it was one of the blows that was leveled against him by the messenger of satan to do what to keep him and his ministry from being exalted and winning souls and building churches and fulfilling the call of God on his life. Can anybody see that? Huh? But all, (laughs) everything that demonic angel did to stop the ministry of Paul failed. Everything failed. He couldn't get him to quit. Why? Why did Paul keep going? Why did he keep preaching? Even, even till the day, even till the day, you know, that he, the last letter he wrote was to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready to be offered up. The time of my departure is at hand. And he said, I'm getting ready to lay my life down. I'm offered up as a drink offering to the Lord. And he said, but I tell you this, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my race. And there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You know what he was saying? You know what he was saying? That old demon spirit, that angelic messenger that's tried to stop me all these years has miserably failed. I've carried on and finished my race and finished my course. You know why? Because I prayed it through one day and God said my grace, no matter what you go through my grace is sufficient for you I will help you I will be with you I will enable you I will give you the strength because Paul when you're weak and you're going through those tribulations and those trials when you're weak and you understand your own weakness just know this that I will infuse into you my strength and you can go through the shipwreck and you can go through the beatings and you can go through the imprisonment cause I'll give you grace let me tell you church there's nothing that we can't go through because we got the grace of almighty God to take us through Woo!
with me. Worship team, come on. I'll preach myself out. (laughs) Hallelujah. God's power is always available, ladies and gentlemen, to bring victory in everything that the enemy would bring your way. So, you know, we suffer buffetings. I don't think any of us go through the persecution that Paul went through. But all who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But we haven't suffered the things that Paul has suffered. Praise God. Praise God. But His grace is sufficient for us tonight. Amen. Let me close with this. All the promises of God. Paul said this, all of his promises in Christ are yes and amen. Every promise he made, God says it's yes, it's amen. We have not been promised immunity from persecution, from tribulation or trouble in life, but he strengthens us to endure them, right? Now listen to me. We're not saying that we as Christians never sin. We're not saying that we as Christians never get sick. We're not saying that we never experience financial problems or difficulty. But the Lord's power is always available to bring us victory over all these things. And when, our, when, we are, when we are attacked physically in our body, we have to understand and realize the source of that attack is from Satan. And we must stand against it just as we would stand against an attack of Satan to try to get us to sin. We must stand against it, take a stand against it and claim the victory of the cross. We've got to have, catch this, We've got to have the motivation to change the things that we can change by the power of God. We've got to have the strength of Christ to persevere through the things that we cannot change. And we've got to have the wisdom to know the difference. But stand on the promises of God. Because all the promises of God, including His promises to heal, are ours tonight through the finished work of Jesus at the cross. Amen. We're going to sing something tonight. I'm just going to open the altars up for you to come and pray and seek the Lord. If you need healing, would like prayer tonight, amen. We're we're here tonight to anoint with oil and pray and believe God with you. Somebody said, well, I've been prayed for once. You know, Jesus prayed for a blind man twice. Remember that? Laid hands, took him out of the city. Laid hands on him. He said, how can you see now? And the blind man said, well, I see men like trees walking. Most of us would have been saying, well, that's an improvement. Praise the Lord. But Jesus said, that ain't good enough. He laid hands on him the second time. Sometimes you need that, oh, hallelujah. Sometimes you need that second touch. 
and he laid hands on him the second time and he said now how is it now he said I see everybody clear total healing well if Jesus had to pray for somebody twice we may have to pray three four five the, here's the point we don't stop knocking we don't stop seeking we don't stop asking and we don't stop believing amen we stand on those promises of God praise God let's come find us a place in the altars let's come and sing